0: Are you looking for a community of readers to join? If so, I hope you'll consider my Patreon group. I offer at least two bonus episodes a month and a monthly advance read and pre-publication author chat. October's early read is Marmee by Sarah Lewis, and November's is Just the Nicest Couple by Mary Kubica. For those on Facebook, I host a special Patreon Facebook group where we all chat books. Thanks to those that already participate, and I hope you will consider joining us. Today I am chatting with Alyssa Friedland about The Most Likely Club. Alyssa is the acclaimed author of Last Summer at the Golden Hotel, The Floating Feldmans, The Intermission, and Love and Miscommunication. Alyssa is a graduate of Yale University and Columbia Law School and currently teaches novel writing at Yale. She lives with her husband and three children in New York City. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And now for a quick break. For the last year, I have been focusing more on my health and my eating habits. In connection with that, I have started drinking AG1 in the morning. I first gave AG1 a try because I needed more energy. Since drinking AG1 daily, I have definitely felt more energized. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it is safe and AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and I am really happy to have them sponsoring my show. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash thoughts from a page that's drink ag the number one dot com slash thoughts from a page check it out welcome melissa how are you today i'm great how are you i'm great as well and i'm really excited to talk about the most likely club
1: thanks me too very happy to be here
0: so let's start out with you giving me a quick synopsis of the book for those that won't have read it yet
1: absolutely So, The Most Likely Club is the story of four women who were very close friends in high school. They graduated in 1997. They went to a medium sized private school in Connecticut and they've stayed in touch as adults. And they receive an invitation to their 25th high school reunion, which, of course, you know, cues all the the feels and all the angst and, you know, all the memories and nostalgia. And one of the women of the foursome is asked to chair the event, and she really leans on her friends to come. And three of the four of them make it back to campus for the reunion. And once they're, you know, they, they have sort of a, a trigger moment where they really, you know, think about, they take stock of their lives in a way that they don't on a typical daily basis. And they, they look at their yearbook, and they see their high school superlatives. And one was most likely to be president, and most likely... To cure cancer and, you know, all these unbelievable, incredible, you know, things that were predicted for them in the yearbook. And 25 years later, life hasn't quite panned out the way they expected. And they decide to try to make their high school superlatives come true at this point in their lives. And uh, it's, it's the ride that ensues.
0: Well, how did you land on the idea for this one?
1: You know, there's, there are a few different things. I mean, one is really a story that my mom told me growing up and then told my children growing up that always stuck with me. I mean, she's told me lots of stories and they're kind of in one ear out the other, but for some reason, this one had staying power. And it was about a boy in her high school. She grew up in Brooklyn and went to a large public school and she was pretty nerdy. She'll admit it. And, uh, didn't have the attention of the popular kids. And one time, like the best looking guy, whoever the heartthrob approached her and asked her to study for a math test and this and that. And of course, she was all excited. And she ends up, you know, she was the teacher's assistant because she was so smart. And she ends up stealing a copy of the test for him because she thinks he likes her, yada, yada. He never, you know, this happens. He never calls her again, never talks to her again. Uh, Fast forward, she graduates, goes to college, meets my dad gets married young, buys a house young. I mean, at this point, they got married like 21, 22. two. They're homeowner's at like 23, really young. Life's working out great. They call uh, for their new house on Staten Island that they're so proud of. And they call the window washer to have their windows clean to shine up the house. And who should show up to wash their windows but this boy who had done that to my mom in high school.
0: Oh my gosh, what are the odds?
1: Isn't that some story, you that know? That is
0: some story. Of
1: course, like, you know, it's clear, like the lessons, like you have no idea, like what's going to happen later in life. And there are some people who it plays out exactly as expected, you know, the A plus honor roll student goes on to Harvard Medical School and the uh, and then there's the class clown who ends up, you know, becoming a, a professor of classics literature and, and who could ever expect it, you know, and so there's like sort of that having fun with like how you just never really know what's going to happen later in life. And you can plan and plan and have certain expectations, but life intervenes. Then there's also how you want different things. So it's not just like, oh, you know, maybe you couldn't fulfill your dream of medical school because you got pregnant or had to take care of an ailing parent, but you, your dreams evolve. Like you think you want one thing. You think you want to be a famous actress, but like as you mature and you know, understand more about the world. Like you might have a realization that actually fame is like not desirable and it has major consequences or that you thought that you really wanted to play house and be a stay-at-home mom and have kids and that's all you ever dream. And then you have that life and you actually realize you're totally unfulfilled. And that to me is just like endlessly fascinating. Like I couldn't tell a story 200 main characters, but I could write a thousand of these that played out in different ways. I I didn't because it wouldn't be a novel. It would be an endless story. But I picked four women where I felt like I could capture different things with each of them. One, you know, dreams evolving, one getting everything she wanted, but it's not all it's cracked up to be. And, you know, just nuance. Like, I hope that they're very nuanced characters. I certainly tried flawed characters. And that's the story. And I I think it definitely evokes a lot of reflection like self-reflection for you know based on the feedback i've gotten and they you know it's certainly a fun trip down memory lane and for anyone who loves the 90s there's like a million throwbacks and references and that's fun and that's just something i like to do because nostalgia is really like a very it's a very poignant emotion and i've noticed from like my previous book a last summer at the golden hotel just how much people enjoy that nostalgic ride so there's that but then you know there's also like a much deeper you know what did I want when I was in high school? Like, how has my life played out differently?
0: Well, you've touched on a ton of things that I want to talk about, so let's dive into those. The first is the 90s nostalgia. Was it so much fun to revisit all of that? And was it hard to decide what to include and what not to include?
1: It was so much fun, especially because it was like a way for my friends to contribute to the story where I don't normally, you know, of course, like my friends indirectly contribute to my writing in that the stories, not that I like, you know, manufacture their lives or like mine their lives. But of course, like you hear stories, like everything makes an impression, you know, but that's very indirect help. But here was like my texting all of my friends from high school and even not just my high school friends, but my friends that I met later in life, but who were 90s kids like me and just saying, okay, like 90s, like, what do you think of? You know, when I say 90s, you think of, and then they were just like opening up this like, you know, magic treasure box of like this movie, this song, this fashion trend. And like everyone had so much fun sending me their nineties memories. And I happened to like not have a great memory. So it was really helpful. I definitely leaned on people a lot to refresh the nineties for me. I mean, obviously you you can Google and I did that. And I certainly, you know, used it for like historical facts of like, what was the top grossing movie and what was the, you know, most popular band, But really, it was mostly friend recollections. And then just like hearing from friends, especially those that I went to high school with, I would say it wasn't just like, Oh, yeah, hard candy nail polish. But that would trigger a memory for me. So it was like hard candy nail polish. Oh, yeah, I remember the day that we, you know, put it on in the bathroom, and it spilled in the radiator. And like, it just took me back in time to high school. And by taking me back in time, it helped me just access like the feelings I felt when I was that age. And so that was very
0: helpful and useful in writing the story. A really fabulous trip down memory lane.
1: It really was. I mean, I really liked high school. You know, I, I think for some people, like they wouldn't maybe have enjoyed as much revisiting that, but I had a good time in high school.
0: I did too. I was in high school in the 80s. So um, I have those type of memories. And in fact, you're talking about all that. And I'm thinking about watching Stranger Things with my kids recently. And it brought back so many memories for me of the 80s and, you know, telling them all about how things were and MTV and watching video, you know, just all of it. So I'm sure it was the same way for you with the 90s. And I mean, I was in college then, so in law school. So I remember a lot of the things as well. But I I agree with you. It's, It's really fun to think back on high school. Definitely. Somewhere, either when I was reading a review or I was going back through something about your book, people were talking about for people who didn't peak in high school. And I thought that's a great way to phrase it.
1: Yes. Because, you know, I I sort of like make a joke of it. And with the marketing, like it's uncool to peak in high school, but kind of, you know, you'd like to think that your better times are ahead of you, you know, and that you didn't peak when you were 17. But I think that is hard for people. They were like the most sought after successful, you know, heartthrob of the school. And then like, it doesn't, it doesn't last or they maybe go off to a big college and suddenly they're a small fish in a big pond or you know they have like a difficult life circumstance and they're no longer like the cool kid. I also think that adults are like far less forgiving of mean girl behavior. And so in high school, you can have like a queen bee reign by being like not so friendly and being stuck up. But as people get older, they just don't have tolerance for that. And so those types of attitudes are like much less, you know, they're they're not the recipe for friends later on. And so I've seen that trajectory before also where like the girl everyone followed in high school, like it really has to change her ways to be able to have friends later on because like just being haughty is not, doesn't work anymore. It's not as, it's not appealing. Adults are like, yeah, actually being a mean girl stinks and we're not, you know, we don't need to put up with that in the way that like an insecure you know, person in high school just wants to be accepted. And so fine, you'll do whatever the mean girl says.
0: I also think that there are some mean girls that just never grow up and you see that really doesn't work well for them, which is what you're saying. I mean, they're not changing their behavior. And then everybody's like, thank you, but I don't need to hang out with these people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think some change and some don't. Right. And there's definitely still the like, I I won't name them, but you know, I can think of people from my high school and college who were the mean girls who are like pretty lonely now. Because it doesn't work anymore, but they still have like a stuck up attitude, but no one has any patience for that now. We're, we're adults with our own lives and we just don't, you know, need to fall in line and, and feel that way, you know, that we have to get their approval. Like the world is bigger. Like in high school, it just matters. It's one cafeteria, you know, it's one locker room. Then you got out in the real world, first college, then the real world. And it's like, there's other options. So if someone's not nice, you'll make a different friend. Exactly.
0: Well, I also enjoyed the nostalgic look at high school aspirations and then how they play out. So we've talked a little bit about that, but was it really fun to revisit that?
1: It took me back to how I don't know if fun is the right word. It was more like I didn't really understand how hard like adulthood, like especially for women, is, like in terms of the balance that's required in life. And I'm glad that I went through high school not realizing how hard it would be to have a career and children and, you know, be a good daughter and a good spouse and a good mother and do a good job. And like, I just have so many balls in the air at all times. I'm often dropping them. But, you know, why did I need to know that in high school? Like, it's probably better that I thought I could have it all. Like, I don't feel like cheated that someone told me, oh, you can have it all. And and it wasn't true. I think that was like my natural optimism just from being a teenager. Like I thought I could do it all. Like I, I was like, of course I could have a career and a family and everything. And it's all going to be great and easy because that's like the cocky optimism of a teenager. Like teenagers are know-it-alls. I was one of them, but it's good because that like, maybe if I had thought at 16 or 17, it's really, really, really hard. And you're going to always feel like you're failing at something. I probably would have lost a lot of my ambition because I think like that doesn't sound good. Like why would I want that life where I'm always feeling like I'm coming up short or I'm spread too thin. And because I didn't feel that way, I worked my butt off and I was very driven and I had a really clear picture of what I wanted in life. And that like sustained me and encouraged me to work hard.
0: I think all of that's right. I just look back and think like originally I wanted to be an astronaut. So it's fun for me to kind of look back and think, okay, like I would never have been an astronaut, but that's what I wanted to do for a while. Kind of look back on the things that appealed to me at one point, And I just kind of laugh sometimes, but I think you're right. And I think, I do think it's tough to have it all, but I also think that if you had any idea how hard it is to have children, no one would have children, you know, and I think it's those, those type of things like you can't know that stuff, or you'd never do it.
1: I've actually like made that analogy before with the children thing, like it's so hard, even like the pain of childbirth, like if you knew in advance, you might be like, eh, maybe I'll adopt, you know, yeah. <laughs> or or maybe just like sidestep the whole parenting thing. But I guess with the other point you make with the astronaut, it's funny, I, I never really entertained any career aspirations that were you know, different than what I ended up. Like it's kind of sad. I should have been like the little girl that wanted to be an astronaut or a, you know, forensic detective or in the CIA. But no, I just wanted to be a writer. So it's like funny. I never entertained anything that was like really sort of out of whack or out of the realm of like realistic possibility for me.
0: Well the funny thing about an astronaut is I still am obsessed with space and I love all the stories that have to do with going to the moon and I mean, that is something I would love to have done. But I have the most sensitive stomach. I get car sick. You know, I could never have been an astronaut because I couldn't do all of that aspect of it. But I just loved the idea of going to the moon and what it's like out in space and all of that.
1: Well, maybe you can now because aren't there like eight minute rides or something? Maybe.
0: Yes. (laughs) I can't wait to explain that to my husband. Yes, I'm going to spend (laughs) a million dollars. Uh, He's going to be like, I don't think so. Well, what about keeping the four women distinct? You hit on that a little bit. And that was one of my questions for you. Was it really hard to sit down and write these four women and give them distinct personalities and jobs and all of that?
1: I think I started with jobs first because that, I don't know, that felt really concrete. I knew I had certain ideas in my head of like, I knew for sure the Suki character that one of the women was going to be like a superstar CEO who has, you know, she's the breadwinner in her family. She has fam- like a job, but she has name recognition. She's considered like absolutely at the top of, you know, the food chain, top of the, you know, she got, she broke through the glass ceiling. She's the top of the corporate ladder, but that it's, and I because I wanted to explore, but what is it really like to be a female CEO and explore the double standard of, you know, how women and men are treated in leadership positions. So that you know, in terms of like her, the type of business she ran, it's funny, like the comment I keep getting, she runs this makeup company that's, you know, at its heart, there's an app behind it. And it's like such a clever idea that people say like, Oh, we really love your book, but you should actually do the app that Suki, like, that's such a great idea. Like, that's the best idea you've ever had. And I'm like, not an entrepreneurial person. But the truth is, like, It is a great idea. And so for people who read the book and read about Make App, which is the name of her business, if someone wants to partner with me, please let me know because it is this amazing idea. That was her. I knew I'd do the CEO route. And then I wanted someone who, Melissa, the story opens with her, who's just really like optimistic and sort of a a plucky optimist who just really rallies her friends. Like she's, you know, life has not been that easy to her, but she's like, we got this, we can still do it, you know? And so she's in like a sort of a mundane career, the kind of thing that she fell into, like she's a a marketing manager at a radio station. It's not like nobody grows up when they're six years old and is like, they might dream of being a writer or an astronaut, but no one's like, I can't wait to be a marketing manager at a local radio station. It's just very (laughs) random, you know? Right, right. And that was important to me. It's a realistic job. Like she got it and I explained like how she landed there and, and she needs the income, but it's not anything that someone would, you know, dream of being from childhood, but it is a realistic job. Like I didn't want to give everyone a job that was like, so almost out of like a Children's like job chart. You know, I wanted a more like, these are the real jobs in America. Like, they're not all glorious. They're not all things people, kids dream of. And so, you know, that was her. And then the doctor character, Priya, I, at first, I just love doctors. I think for her, she's the one, she was the easiest character for me to write, even though I'm not a doctor. But I identified with her, I really wanted to explore what is it like to have a busy family three children, or, you know, it doesn't have to be three, but children, busy family, husband and wife, both working professionals. And yet the woman, the mom is the one doing like 99% of like, not just like the physical childcare, but also like knowing when they have to go to the dentist and replacing their shoes when they don't fit anymore and fielding the phone calls when like, I can't find my homework or the computer's broken, yada, yada. Cause that's certainly The way it is in my home, even though I have a lovely husband, great guy, and is certainly a wonderful father and able to help. But there is just something, I don't know if it's biological, deeply rooted in society that my children come to me first and that I'm like the default person for scheduling the checkups and scheduling, you know, and just being aware that like their t-shirts don't fit anymore or I'm making all their play dates, you know, and I just like I went away for two days to Washington, D.C. And it was like I could never turn off like I'm still running them remotely from my cell phone the whole time. And I wanted to like deeply explore that with the Priya character, which I did. And then finally, with Tara, who's a chef, I, I wanted, you know, a, a less like traditional married woman. Like this is a woman, she's bisexual. She, you know, comes to the conclusion that she she doesn't really seek motherhood. And that's like a very, that is a, a very acceptable path. Like that doesn't make you any less of a woman that you don't want to become a mother. And I, I just also had fun. Like she's really into cooking and she, you know, I, I, that was fun to write about because I also like to write about things that I don't know a lot about. I like doing that research. And so for her, you know, she runs a cooking school in New York for children. And that's, that was sort of fun to write about because my kids did all these ridiculous classes that cost so much money. And it was like, how many of these children like really need to know how to make like chocolate mousse, you know, <laughs> or like vinaigrette? But like you do, you sign your kids up for these things, it keeps them busy. And you have to have like all this patience to be the teacher and run this business, you know, but she really wants to be in a professional kitchen. And I had just fun writing about restaurants from the industry and learning like about even, to be more detail oriented with like her cooking instruments and like not just referencing like frying pans, but like how she likes to use, you know, a and and different things that are more esoteric and known only to people in the industry. Because like that to me is like how you build an authentic sounding character that like if they're a chef, like they do use terms and reference spices that aren't like salt and pepper, you know. And so that was fun. I just liked exploring um, the cooking world with her.
0: I bet so. And I had this question already, but I think you've kind of answered it. But which character do you identify with the most?
1: Well, like I said before, definitely Priya.
0: Yeah, that's what I was like. You pretty much answered that as you were going. But I wanted to see if that's what you would say.
1: For sure. That, like, her character just, it came right off, you know, the words just flowed directly into my fingertips onto the keyboard. I was like, God, she just can't catch up. Like she's not can't catch a break. She's just so tired. Like she wants to take on more at work. She wants to push herself professionally, but she feels like she can't even see straight by the end of the day. And she wants to deal with her husband and like who she loves. But I want, but she wants him to do more and have an honest conversation with him about like the division of labor in the household. And that's something that I've gone through.
0: Absolutely. And that resonates so much with me as well, because I have a fabulous husband who's a fabulous father. But the same things that you're addressing are exactly what happened here. And my kids always say, if you weren't around, I don't know what would happen. Like everything would fall apart. And I'm like, yes, it actually would. (laughs) You know, and you think like trying to get out of town. I mean, my kids are older now, but still trying to get out of town, especially when they were young, it took more time to try to get out of town than the amount of time I was even gone you know, and I always felt like, is this really worth it to be gone two or three days when I have to spend like six days getting situated enough to make sure everybody's going to survive while I am gone?
1: Exactly. It's leaving the schedule taped to the fridge and, you know, making sure that if they have soccer practice while I'm out of town, that they know where their cleats are. And it's exhausting to the preparing. And I referenced that like Priya, it's like, how could I go to the reunion? Like, yeah, it would be fun to get away, you know, and see my girlfriends and have a break from the family for a few days, have some fun. But like, The effort that would go into planning for that makes it not even worth it,
0: right? And once you get there, you're like, okay, great, this is so nice. But sometimes, just that process of getting out the door. Now, of course, my kids are older now, so it is a lot easier. But still, you're right, and that is the benefit and the negative to the cell phone is that you're always reachable.
1: Exactly. Like the phone. Sometimes I love it because I love connectivity and I love talking to my friends. It's just like I'm very into text and and communicating. But there are other times I just want to throw it out the window because I like, I can't ever disappear. Like, I just want to disappear for a day. Like, just enjoy, read a book and or, or go, you know, shopping without it it ringing and dinging and making me crazy. But then I can't because if I ever do put it away for an hour, it really, you know, bites me in the butt when I look back and it's like, mom, you forgot to sign me up for this. And like, i like, I needed to have been on it.
0: And that's always laugh. Like if I accidentally leave my phone at home, I always feel like I have to go back and get it. But the times when I go back to get it, nothing ever happens. But the times when I leave it, there's always some big drama that I'm like, oh, now I've created a bigger mess for myself.
1: A thousand percent. Yep. Same exact experience. Well, what was
0: the highlight of writing the book?
1: Uh, I think for sure, like I said before, just that reliving, like having fun with my friends, all those 90s texts. And now that it's out in the world, the highlight is like all the fun online on Instagram of people are posting their high school pictures. Like they're like, oh, I just finished the Most Likely Club and it made me, you know, dig out my yearbook photo. And that's super fun. And people are showing pictures of them like with their chokers and their daisy clips. So, you know, that's really, really fun. So I would say like the, re- the 90s research was a ton of fun. And then now like go back into it because that was like with my friends. And now it's, you know, reliving it with readers.
0: I love that people are posting their yearbook photos.
1: Totally. I've seen prom photos, yearbook photos. It's like really funny how people keep this stuff. Like I'm not so great at keeping things, but a lot of people are because I've seen a lot of reviews. And then like the second picture on the swipe is like their high school photo, which I love.
0: I'm good at keeping that stuff, but then being able to find it is my problem.
1: Well, yes, that's also an issue.
0: (laughs) Well, how about the title? How did you come up with the title for this one?
1: So it was originally just most likely for the longest time when I sold the book to the publisher, you know, up until like six months before, it was just most likely. That is how we thought of it. I liked it. And then the, I think it was the sales and marketing team came back to the publisher, to my editor and said like, it's not, you know, it's not saying enough. It's not long enough. Like we want a little bit more. And it was like very stressful because I had like three days to come up with another title. And it was like nonstop texting my agent and my editor. And then the most likely club just, I don't know, it, it just, at first I was like, I don't know. And then once we settled on it, I felt so good about it. Club, I think it's like, it's inviting. You know, I guess clubs can sound exclusive too, but I hope this one does not, you know, the most likely club, it just evokes a sense of friendship. It evokes a sense of like clubs were really big in high school. It has a nice ring for also like book clubs, you know, so for a book club to choose the most likely club. And uh, of course, most likely, you know, refers to these women's superlatives, like most likely to succeed, et cetera. So I'm happy, very happy with the title.
0: I think it definitely encapsulates the book.
1: Yes. Yes. Thank you. I agree.
0: Well, before we wrap up, what have you read recently that you really liked?
1: Uh, I would say my favorite book of the summer was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. She has been one of my favorite writers for a long time. And this is my favorite of her books. I I don't know if you've read it, but it's, uh, you know, at first I was like, I'm not going to read a book about gamers. Like I don't play video games. But of course, it was about so much more than that. And there's a reason that it has been, you know, so wildly successful. So I thought that was really a beautiful, interesting book. I've also I really enjoyed lessons in chemistry. And my daughter also read it. And that was just a lot of fun to have a book that we read together. And uh, I'm currently reading my very first Colleen Hoover book because I just wanted to know what all the fuss was about. So I'm I I don't want to comment on it because I'm only 20 pages in but I'm reading it ends with us because if she's selling 35 million books,
0: I want to know why. It's just amazing how her books have taken off. And I know TikTok has helped, but even before all of that, I mean, she just has such a following.
1: I've never seen anything like it. And so I just had to, I just have to know what it's like. I have to, I had to see for myself what the books were. Why are they so addictive, so propulsive? Why are people so obsessed with her? And I, so far, I mean, I'm enjoying what I've read so far, but like it's 20 pages. So I don't, (laughs) I don't know yet, but I will. I will know soon enough whether I am, you know, getting on the obsessive bandwagon or whether I'm like, "Ah," you know, we'll see.
0: Whether you're going to be a long-term Coho fan or not.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Time will tell.
0: And my daughter and I read Lessons in Chemistry also like that. It was so much fun to be able to chat about it.
1: Loved. Yeah, it's a great mother-daughter book.
0: And I can't wait for the television show to come out about it.
1: That'll be great.
0: Well, thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining me today on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with you. The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate your taking the time to listen to my podcast. I want to quickly share about this wonderful company I am now partnering with. I am always looking for entities that promote and highlight books and recently came across Book Clubs, a company who provides all sorts of resources for established and new book clubs, as well as individual readers. My own personal book club recently signed up on Book Clubs and the group has been impressed with all of the great tools the site and app provide. The Book Clubs website is linked in my show notes and I hope you will check them out soon. Also, if you like my show, I would be so grateful if you would tell everyone you know about it and rate it on whichever platform you listen on. It truly makes a huge difference and really helps the show grow. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront, and that link is also in the show notes. I hope you will check out some other thoughts from a page episodes and have a great day.
1: You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily...